Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. Today, we are back with the seventh entry in our three films that got you through the 2020 pandemic interview series. In this series, I'm speaking with a wide variety of friends, colleagues, and professionals working in the film industry, largely in my backyard of Oklahoma. I'll be speaking with each guest about how the pandemic impacted their line of work before talking about the three films that helped them get through it all. Today, I'll be speaking with the host and producer of the Tunes Tunes podcast, Harold Story. I'll talk with Harold about how the pandemic impacted his ability to produce his podcast and also how it changed how he spoke with his guests and, and coordinated those bookings. And as always, we'll shift the conversation to the three films that helped him get through it all to close the show. Before we jump in today, I did want to quickly remind you that if you enjoyed today's interview, please consider leaving us a rating and a review and a follow or a subscribe on your preferred podcast app. It's the most impactful way you can support the show at this time. Another way that you can participate in this special interview series is by emailing your three films to the cinematropolis at gmail.com, or you can follow us on social media and share your picks with us there. That is on Twitter at the cinematrop or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the cinematropolis. Send us your picks for a chance to have them read on the show. Now let's get to more about today's guest. According to the Apple podcast description, Harold Story heads up the Tunes Tunes podcast, a show dedicated to all things concerning animation and music. Now, Story has recorded nearly 150 episodes and featured a wide variety of people of interest in the Oklahoma City area. Uh, those are folks who are doing a lot of really cool things, mostly related to pop culture and art here in Oklahoma City, as well as very special guests like Jim Lang of Hey Arnold fame, Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup, Mike Kennedy of the All-American Rejects, Butch Hartman of the Fairly Odd Parents fame, and Chris Jai Alex, among many others. Tunes Tunes is a part of Mostly Harmless Media, a local new media organization here in Oklahoma City that produces a wide variety of new media content, and Harold's frequently partnering with Tower Theater on several Projector Club screenings, including screenings of films like Perfect Blue, Interstellar 555, and The Tokyo Godfathers. And uh, I, I have to say, Story is also a longtime collaborator with the Cinematropolis and us here on the Cinematic Schematic. And, and the conversation really, it's going to play a lot more like a pair of old friends reuniting after a very challenging year apart. Hashtag long live the bromance. Um, but yes, I have been on Harold's show, Tunes Tunes, many, many times. Uh, so it was a real pleasure to, to welcome him to the Cinematic Schematic where we could really, we could talk in depth about the films that helped him get through last year. So without further ado, let's go ahead and hear it from Harold. We have another wonderful guest for you back on the Cinematic Schematic today. I'm so thrilled to be joined by Harold Story. He's the host and producer of the Tunes Tunes podcast. He is, in my opinion, one of uh, the staples of Oklahoma's pop culture, uh, say, podcast or content scene. Uh, he talks about uh, both current music, classic music, indie rock music, uh, in addition to pretty much any form of animation. Uh, he's had me on his show several times to talk about anime. Harold Story, welcome to the Cinematic Schematic. 
Yo, what's going on? Hey, man. Good to see you. It's been a hot minute since I've seen you. How are you doing today? Good, man. Yeah, I think uh, we've talked about this maybe another time when I had you on my show, but I think the last time we hung out was at Cajun Corner before we recorded one of the last episodes I had you on my show. No, you took the words right out of my mouth because I think your podcast, Tunes Tunes, was the last in-person podcast I recorded before stuff started shutting down. Wow. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. I've done like one in-person show since then uh, <laughs> and in the middle of the summer. And uh, so, yeah, you, you Tunes Tunes holds a, a very special place in my heart. You and I always... <laughs> You give me an outlet to talk about all my anime opinions that I don't really get to on the cinematic schematic as much, especially like uh, 90s, early aughts anime that I re- I'm really fond of. So I, I'm like, bring your takes, my guy. I, I want all the takes for sure. <laughs> well, uh, we're here today to talk about you, though. And man, you do all sorts of really cool stuff around the city, uh, both uh, you know on the podcast scene here in Oklahoma. You also do a lot of things involved in the Oklahoma City uh, marketing scene. And uh, you and I actually collaborated on some really cool th- uh, events at the Tower Theater a couple of years back. And one thing that always really struck me about you is how everything you're doing is very community oriented and you're just trying to bring people together to celebrate things they love, in most cases, either anime or music. Uh, so if you could just Tell me a little bit more about, you know, what your your day-to-day or week-to-week process looked like pre-pandemic. Yeah, man. Um, as far as, like, putting together stuff for the show, it, it's just kind of a cacophony of, like, things that I'll, like, think of in the middle of the night. And, like, I have, th- have people that I'll, like, Mike Allen is one of them. He's the first guest I ever had on my show. And um, <laughs> I'll text him at, like, 2 a.m. and be like, is this a cool idea? And he'll be like, oh, obviously, he'll text me back at, like, a normal person's time, like at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. He's like, yeah, it's cool. But he's just come to, you know, like I have all those things, like all these ideas, and there's just like no time on like specifically whenever I think stuff up. But I'll just, you know, brainstorm on an idea. Um, Maybe I'll watch something or, you know, listen to something, and it'll trigger like, oh, what if we did this take on this thing? Um, What if we started, you know, we all like a lot of us like the emo music. What if we did a, like a big bracket of all the bands and one whole month was dedicated to that? That was like one of the last like big things I did uh, was the March Sadness um, project I did for my show. And, you know, I just really like doing stuff like that. Um, I've gotten into doing like a lot of these battle brackets, um, you know, where we'll, I'll just put together like, you know, I like all these 90s cartoons that are based on comic books. Which one's the best one? Let me get people on that love comics and we'll talk about those. And then we'll get to like, you know, hey, I like that I like that show, Hey Arnold. Why don't I um, reach out to the guy that did the music for Hey Arnold? And, you know, he randomly was like cool to talk to me. So I got to talk to Jim Lang that did all the music for Hey Arnold. And, you know, he's a really cool guy and like has agreed to come back on. You know, like we're going to collaborate with him later. But it's just like a lot of cool stuff. Like it's just cool to have an outlet where you can just try things like not every single thing that I do is just like dynamite, but I'm like, I want to try this and this could be fun and I want to get my friends together and talk about, you know, why do we like these things? Um, what sticks out to us about this? Like, why do these things resonate with us? And so that's always kind of been the approach, you know, just having that idea and running with it and finding people that like, you know, are in line with that and that are down to record with me. So that's just kind of always been what I did and, you know, I'll just keep doing that because it kind of works. <laughs> 
It's lots of fun, and I really like how you incorporate a lot of interactive stuff, in particular on Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, I I feel like I'm pretty good at social media, particularly Twitter, but then I'll get on Instagram and realize that Harold's story can literally (laughs) run like light years around me, because he's always doing all sorts of cool polls and interactive like GIFs and photos and stuff, and I feel like I am dated AF uh, whenever I'm looking at Harold's like (laughs) stories and stuff, so uh, Harold's stories... Instagram stories. Oh, yes. I, I like it. Well done, sir. That was a, it was just like a funny thing one day. I don't remember what the first one was. But it was like, oh, it was, um, I started doing these things on stories like Caleb was saying. It was just like, um, hey, reply to this and I'll tell you who would play you as a, in your, in your, um, in a movie about your life. Like what actor would play you in a movie about your life? And boy, I am not lying when it was like, 200 something people replied to that and I was like geez and so it took me like it literally took that one thing took me days to finish because I'd be like well who does this person look like like what could the blur be it was just like it turned into a job but I just like doing stuff like that and I'd be like reply to this and I'll tell you what <laughs> dessert you are like I don't <laughs> I don't know why I just started doing that I just thought it was funny and then people it resonated with people and they're like yeah, I'll just reply to this and see what random thing Harold gives me. I don't, I don't know why, but it's just, I don't know, dude. Boredom out of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well, that's what I'm saying. In pandemic, people are like, they aren't going out. They're looking at their Instagram channels and they're looking for a fun thing. And you're like, hey, I can give you this fun fact about yourself you didn't know if you just participate. <laughs> you're doing a lot of really great stuff on uh, social media and of course your podcast tunes tunes which can be found on spotify any of the different podcast apps out there on the podcast side though i know that there were a lot of content creators and in, in particular podcasters that noticed a pretty big hit earlier in the spring when the pandemic really started you know impacting daily routines people aren't driving their cars to work they're not I would say early on there's probably some people who aren't even exercising because they're like can i go outside you know when there's a lot more unknown variables. Uh, so I'm just curious, did you see any sort of impact on your downloads or listenership on tunes tunes? Yeah, man, I think it was just, you said it perfect. Like across the board, it was just like, I never realized how many of my favorite shows I would listen to on my way to work, like in my car. And so we were, you know, out of the office for so long. It was just like, man, I'm like, when we got, we, we were finally like back into the office to some like very distanced, like, um, we have a small enough team that we're kind of lucky that we could do that. And um, when I got when we got back, I was like, man, like I have like episodes and episodes of this show that I have not watched or like listened to. So, you know, I think it affected a lot of people. Um, so I definitely like I saw the numbers go way down, like um, just because it was like between people not being out and, you know, in their normal routines of when they actually listen to the to the show and everything. And then also, you know, I recorded, I don't have a, a great setup at home. So I record in my studio up here at tower and it was just, you know, I wasn't able to get up here. So it was like, Oh, like, do I want to sacrifice the quality, you know? And it kind of, I'm, I'm looking to invest now in like a home studio. So like, I don't have to really like make that call, you know, anymore. Like it really has driven me to be like, okay, what do I need to like invest in to get the quality up at home? Because that was like a big part of it too. It was like I don't want like a big quality difference in the show too. Um, but I did um, have opportunity to do something kind of cool that I had an idea for. That I started doing interviews with people like over Zoom. Like I started doing Zoom, um, like we're doing now. 
but I would record the call and then it, it, it saves the video and audio and it's not horrible, you know, depending on people's connection, if they have a mic and stuff. And, um, so I started doing it like that, but I had video it, you know, for the first time ever doing the show. So I started doing like a live stream and like, um, I downloaded a thing, OBS. It was like a live streaming thing that you can connect to your Facebook page. And so I would do like a, you know, 10, 15 minute interview with someone and then cut in like. I have friends that were like making music throughout the whole pandemic. So like they were were doing covers and stuff like that. So like I would have them send me the video and I would like cut their video in after one of the in-between like interviews and then like a local cafe that I like, they have a commercial. I was like, can you send me that commercial? And I would like, you know, in between, it was like a, it was like a programming block. Like I would have like an interview and then a commercial interview, then a music, like a, one of my friends doing music. Um, So it kind of created an opportunity to like, for me to create in a way that I'd never done before. So it was like fun to kind of explore that. Um, But I did, you know, to some point it was just like, am I, you know, it's just like almost like exhaustion, I guess was like, I've been looking for a reason maybe to take a break for a little bit anyway. So it was like, "Eh, I'll just, I did a few of those and then took a break. And then now it's like, I get in and record whenever I have an idea. Um, Instead of, you know, really holding to myself, like, I want to make sure that I get in every week, like, above everything. It's like, if I get in to record something that means something to me, then I like that. And then that's just kind of what I'm going off of now. Like, I don't want to, it got to the point where if it ever feels like it's a job, you know, like, I don't want to, it's like, ugh, like, I didn't do this so that I could, like, make a million bucks or, you know, get 10 million people to listen. I just... I have like ideas. I feel like I'm a pretty creative guy and I like to bring people together and hear about their story and like why they like things. So as long as I can keep doing that, that's like the whole heart of like what my show is. So I just kind of do it, you know, that's kind of been the process now, but before it was like, you know, really, I would really harp on myself to like, ah, well, I got to make sure I get in the studio and if I'm going to be in the studio, I might as well do like three or four episodes all at once, which was good. I mean, it would be good for my show because I could like not have to go in all the time, but I don't know, in a way it was like, that was one of the silver linings was like, you know, getting a little bit of time back that I would like otherwise not have been at home or things like that. That's, that's just kind of how it's been for me. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think I can echo some more sentiments, you know, without going too far down this path. But I, I think, you know, one thing that the pandemic really forced a lot of, I mean, I think everyone to do to a certain extent, but especially content creators in particular with this area, is to start questioning things. You're like, is it mandatory for me to get an episode out every week? Am I just doing it to do it? Am I am I doing it to get quality content, quality interviews out there? Um, and if I'm not, you know, if I'm holding myself to such a such a standard where I get episodes out every week, but the quality is taking a dip, whether it's the audio quality, like you're talking about just due to circumstances in the pandemic or even content quality. You're like, maybe, maybe I should just take a break or maybe I should change my cadence a little bit. Uh, I mean, you know, cinematic schematic, we, I was off for, I think like four ish months just because a lot of stuff's going on. Uh, you know, and if at any point, like you said, if it becomes a job, burnout is real. And I know, it's been a really wild year for a lot of people in a lot of different roles. It's, it seems like to me for a lot of folks, they were feeling burnout in their jobs and other folks didn't have jobs at all. So, you know, just kind of a, a weird kind of position we found ourselves in. But I do, I do want to shift gears here and start looking at the future 
Uh, you know, 2020 was insane, uh, unprecedented, all the cliches, unprecedented, new normal, yada, yada, yada. I want to know, though, for you, how is 2021 looking comparative to last year? Are you think things are looking up? Are they about the same? Or are you feeling like it's going to be a, an entirely different landscape for you in, in Tunes Tunes? Yeah, I think as far as like the approach in the show, I think it's just, like you said, it was probably, I was about three or four months probably with the, going without an episode. And that's kind of just inspired me to be like, you know what, I would rather take my time and really flesh out an idea or, you know, finally get someone that I really have been wanting to get down and talk to and like really know what I'm going to do with that episode than to just make sure that I check a box to get an episode out every week. You know what I mean? So I think in a way it kind of like gave me a little bit of pause to be like, okay, what do I really want this to be? Because I don't want to just do it just to do it. Like I want to do it because it's something I care about. Not to say that I didn't, you know, care about all the people that I've had on, but it was just like became such a chore, you know, the actual production of it. I loved when I was in it, like the doing part of it, like the getting to hang out with people and learning about them. Like I love that part, but it was just like the, you know, I would record with people out in California and, you know, it'd be seven o'clock for them, but nine o'clock for me. And then, you know, I'd get done recording at like 11 and then still have to edit the whole thing. It's like, dang, like my wife's at home by herself. Like I want to get home and like hang out with her and the dogs, you know, like. And you got a day job too, right? <laughs> yeah. And you got a day job. It's like, geez, like I can't be out like all hours. So the big thing for me, you know, going into this year is like, I've really gotten a lot of perspective. I feel like from that, that I'm like, you know what? I'm really going to like be thoughtful and think about what it is that I'm putting out instead of just making sure that I check that box to just put out an episode every week. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good challenge, Harold, and I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, it, again, you keep putting out great shows, and I, I do think you know sometimes that break and that refresh, that R&R, is going to go a long way, and like you said, helping you develop even better ideas. We've talked about all of how was 2020, but let's get to the fun stuff. Now, Harold, I've asked you to select three movies that helped you get through an especially challenging year, and I'm actually pretty pumped to hear what all you picked as far as films go. So I'm not sure you can choose to rank these or not. I didn't ask you to rank them. So in no particular order, uh, let's jump into the, the picks you brought to the table though. If you do want to rank them, you know, no harm, no foul. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let, let's, uh, let's start with this first film. What was the first movie that you selected and why? Man, I had to really, I really thought about what it was. Um, not only that I saw that was new this year, but things maybe that I got into that I had been meaning to watch because that 2020 also gave a lot of time for people, you know, to, you finally had time because you're at home, you know. I finally got to watch some things I've been holding off on or, like, just hadn't made the time to watch. But I feel like I really wanted to start with, like, a big one. And so for me, my first one that I picked was Tenet. All I have for you is a word. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones, too. Use it carefully. To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, 
were trying to prevent World War III. I'm not saying I'm getting here. No. Something worse. The film that saved cinema. Yes. The the tentpole film. Quite possibly the last film I've seen in the theater. Who knows? I mean, I don't know what's going to happen this year, but... um, So, yeah, just to be candid with you on that, like I just mentioned, um, that was one that I was really wrestling with. And I listened to your Tenet episode, and it seemed like you guys kind of echoed those sentiments that I was like, man, like, I've been waiting for this movie. I love Christopher Nolan's films. Like, what am I going to do? And so I finally, it was the opening night, and I talked to Madison. I was like, man, like, I would really like to go watch this. Like, we'll wear a mask the whole time. We're not going to touch anything, talk to anybody, like. And man, to my surprise, it was kind of the the big thing that got me was we get to the theater and opening night at it was Quail Springs AMC and it was there was one guy by himself and then us. Wow. And it was just like you would have never imagined that in a million years before this happened that that would happen for a, a huge movie like this. That was a big thing, man. Like I that I will probably be seventy years old thinking about the time that I went and watched. Tenant in the theater in 2020 and like wow wasn't that crazy that this is quite possibly could have been one of the last movies i saw in that format like at that time um until who knows when you know like we that's the big thing is like we don't know what's going to happen like so that was what i wrestled with and you know that movie it was a lot of hype around it too and that's like the the tough thing too is to like separate some of the hi- from the the hype from the actual art of the movie, and so um. But yeah, man, that was uh, I had to start out with that one for sure because that was like the biggest, like most impactful one for me. That is like the pandemic film for a lot of people. Like I, I'm not gonna lie, and even if I hated the movie, which I didn't, we did of course our, our review um, that you referenced, and I I came out pretty middle of the road on it. And I want to get your take here in a second, but I I, I do think like. What's funny is even if the movie had been amazing, like life-changing amazing or terrible, like I don't think any of us would forget if you went and saw it in the theater, it was like a big thing. You know, you're like, I don't know what the future of movies is going to be like. I haven't been in so many months and this just feels like a thing, you know, you want to do. If I think of the pandemic and I'm a movie goer, I'm probably going to think about Tenet and all the hype and then all the follow-up conversation about it. Uh, But I am curious, what did you actually think of the movie overall? I was, it's one of those things that as soon as I, as soon as it was over, I was like, I've got to see it again. Like I can't, and you guys like had like good points in your episode. Everybody should check that out. If they haven't, if they haven't listened to it, it was a good episode. Um, especially if you're like on the fence about that, about that film, they had some good points, but it was just, it was one of those things that was like, if you know Christopher Nolan, you know, this was like, you know, this was like that he made this movie. And so to me, it was like hard going into a movie like that too after the, at the end of it, sometimes it's like people have their mind made up already. It's like they have their tent pole in their head of like, this is my Christopher Nolan movie and every next one that I have to see, it has to at least be this good or it sucks. And so I've never really subscribed to that. Um, I, uh, I brag about myself being someone that lets themselves enjoy things. And so, um... If I had to give it an honest grade, I'd probably give it maybe a high C to low B, though, in the spectrum of of um, of Christopher Nolan's other body of work, to be honest with you. Um, but I think it had the elements that it did tackle, it, it freaking went for him, man. Um, 
Okay. I have a question. Okay. And if you haven't seen the film, skip ahead. Like, hit the little skip button yeah, a 30, few times. 30, 30 seconds, one minute. Yeah. It's a spoiler-ish. Something that I thought of, I haven't seen it again, but I was thinking about when they were in, uh, you know, inverting time, um, when they were going back through, you know, and they're going through, like, the whole uh, the airport, like, with the storage thing. I was thinking that I wondered if you could see at the beginning of the film if you saw an ambulance driving in reverse amongst all the chaos because when they get to that, the, the ambulance goes. So when it was going forward in the real time at the beginning, it would have been going backwards. So I was like, oh, my God, I've got to watch it again. Like that was one. I don't know why that thing stuck out to me, but but that was like the end of that inversion part when they get through like the fighting themselves and everything they get to the ambulance and they're taking the ambulance i was like oh my god i wonder if there's an ambulance in the beginning and we didn't see it like so it was like i think when when movies do things like that that is the thing that i love about stories like that that you're like oh my god this one thing let me like really explore that and see if that happened or what if this happened like all the the theorizing too of like what what did this mean? What's the significance of this? Like, I love that kind of stuff. And so for a Chris Nolan film, like, I think it was very on par with things like that. But what do you think? Do you think, was there, did you see an ambulance? We got to watch it back. Dude, now I got to go watch it a third time. And me and my girlfriend have already talked about <laughs> watching it a third time. Because <laughs> I, I, I have, have been long enough between when I saw it over the summer and then when I saw it when it came out on, on home video that I didn't think to look for it, but man, that's a great question. Like what I didn't even think, yes, that ambulance would have been going in reverse if it appeared the first time, if we saw it. So now, yeah, I really super want to double check. And even if it was going in reverse, would we even notice, you know, the first time you see it, would you even notice? Right. I was shook. I was like, bro, that's crazy. Do we even, we didn't even notice it earlier. Yeah, man, I'll just say, like, uh, we, we talked about, again, check out uh, the tenant review of the cin- on the cinematic schematic if you haven't listened to it. But I'll, I'll just leave it here saying that, yes, Harold, I agree. I think the most beautiful and awesome thing about it is it, in, it is a Christopher Nolan film through and through in the sense that I haven't stopped thinking about it since I saw it. And I haven't stopped wanting to talk about it since I saw it, you know, just because, like you said, throwing theories out there and really digesting the movie. Um, even imperfect as it may be, I think it still has that going for it for sure. Yeah, man. That, so that was that. I mean, I had to lead off with that one because that was just you put it perfectly earlier. It was like the the movie of the pandemic. Let's go ahead and move on to your your second film that got you through the twenty twenty pandemic. Uh, what's your next selection, Harold? Okay, I don't want to. I didn't want to cheat, and I didn't know. I I figured I could take a little bit of liberty. I'm not going to try to tell you how to live your life and do your show, but. I'd never before this year. It was one of those things that when I had, I finally had time to like do things and watch things that I wanted to watch. So I'd actually never watched any of the Lord of the Rings or Hobbit movies, and so I watched all of them. The world is changed, and some things that should not have been forgotten were lost. But the Ring of Power has a will of its own. Evil is stirring in Mordor. Ring has awoken. Sauron needs only this ring to cover all the lands of darkness. What must I do? The ring must be destroyed. Cast back into the fires of Mount Doom. I know what hunts you. They're coming. They will find the ring and kill 
the one who carries it. You have my sword. My bow. And my axe. You carry the fate of his all, little one. This task was appointed to you, and if you do not find a way, no one will. You went almost 19 years of your life not having seen a Lord of the Rings movie. This is beautiful. I used to, you know, when you were in college, you probably got hazed over this or whatever, but I just want to say, <laughs> this is beautiful because you got to experience Lord of the Rings for the first time as a an adult, probably with a little too much hype behind it. So, Harold, we'll, we'll count them all as one. Although, I would be curious, uh, Lord of the Rings first, what did you think of those versus the Hobbit movies? Okay, so Lord of the Rings, um, I love the story. I don't know why I've never watched them. It was funny because, like, you know I play D&D, and it's like that's peak D&D energy. But, yeah, man, I love the story. I love the characters. Um, I really enjoyed uh, The Two Towers. Um, I think that was my favorite one of the three of the of the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, but, yeah, uh, there was things that, like, stuck out to me in the movies. Like, the uh, there was, like, the I think it was – I, I keep getting them mixed up a little bit because I've just watched them all in a row. But I think it was in Lord of the Rings where they had the um, the guy that was like the shapeshifter that could turn into a bear. Or was that The Hobbit? I think that's The Hobbit. Okay, well, when we get to that, that guy should have had his own movie. I was like, that is awesome. Um, but I just remember seeing things. and I don't know that it was necessarily overhyped, but I definitely had heard about it like all the time. Like, oh, my God, you haven't seen it. You've got to watch it. Um, but I knew enough about, you know, when thing when something is as big as this franchise, it proliferates media like it, it it goes through everything like it gets it gets no matter if you're a fan of that property or know about it like you know about it because it's in memes like so that was like the funny thing for me i'd be like oh there's that that's that scene from that meme there's sean bean and that's i'm uh winter is coming or not winter is coming but the um one does not, one does simply, not simply walk, walk into, into mordor, mordor. <laughs> i was like oh man there's that part in the movie like uh, i always see that meme of i was like that's funny um and then just hearing things like I always hear my friends say like uh, potatoes or what's tatas eh? and I'm like oh that's what that's from like there's that part like it it was just like it's funny to see that that thing come to fruition of like okay like I get it now um, but yeah out of the first out of the Lord of the Rings like the proper trilogy I probably liked the Two Towers the best that's a good choice uh, Two Towers is pro I haven't having not rewatched them since college so nearly ten years ago this is why it's very top of mind to me to to rewatch in twenty twenty one but uh, I as I recall I think Two Towers is my favorite as well the the, the Battle of Helm's Deep is uh, I mean I know Return of the King obviously you get the massive the biggest battles imaginable but I kind of like how tight the uh, Battle of Helm's Deep is. I like all the Rohan subplots. Um, and then, of course, the scene, especially in 2020, right? The scene where Gandalf shows up on the hill, the dawn of the third day. I mean, come on. Uh, it's great stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. I, and I love the way they did the characters. You know, it's like the, um, um, like Gimli not getting along uh, with the guys and then, you know, really like, coming together with, coming together with them at the end. Um What's Orlando Bloom's character's name? Again? Oh, uh, Legolas. Legolas, like when they are like count doing the count, like the kill count, like that kill that was cracking me up. Um, so I love things like that, man. Like I love the way that they were, you know, fleshing out those characters, and um, there were so many like different personalities. Like I, I, I couldn't really nail down a favorite character because like I was like, man, this guy's awesome. And so was this guy. Like, um, so I just, you know, I finally. I'm glad that I finally took the time to just sit down and like watch all of them. So, 
Yeah, we watched the Lord of the Rings first, and then we watched the Hobbit movies after. That's the correct order. It's it's almost like it's almost kind of like the Star Wars question now. Which ones do I start with? Because technically, the Hobbit films chronologically take place first. Uh, uh, what did you think about the Hobbit trilogy? Uh, I actually like that. I liked it quite a bit. I really wrestle if I like them better than Lord of the Rings or not. Um, but I found um, I found that I really liked Martin Freeman. Um, the young Bilbo, like I thought that character was awesome. Um, and then Benedict Cumberbatch. That what was funny about that was uh, Madison never seen The Hobbit um, either. My wife, so we watched those movies. We watched all three of them together, and um, I told her that <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch was in the series. So she's looking for him the whole time. And we get to. She's like, I never saw that guy. I was like, Oh, he's the he's the he's dragon. dragon. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't even like it didn't even register I just like offhand was like oh yeah Hobbit, like uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is in these so she's like oh cool and then unbeknownst to me she's like looking for this guy the whole time she's like where is this guy that, uh, so that's, gonna be, a, that's gonna be amazing that, by the time you get funny. to the third one the battle of the five armies or whatever and you're halfway through and she's like I that don't see insane. Benedict Cumberbatch yeah that oh, god it killed me um, but yeah man I had a lot of fun watching them like it was I couldn't, I don't know, like, I couldn't, um, I didn't want to, like, go to sleep, because, like, we couldn't finish them in the night, like, we'd be going to bed, because she still had to go to work, you know, she works at a, um, like, at a hospital, so it's, like, they didn't close, um, and then, obviously, I still had to work, but I didn't have to drive to work, but, um, it was just funny to be, like, oh, like, I don't want to stop for them, like, let's just stay up late and watch them, like, it's like you're binging a TV um, show. Them, you're, you're binging a TV show where the episodes are three and a half hours long each. Right. You're like, okay, just one more. Just one more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, those are those are good. That's a really good pick. And and you are of a rare breed who hasn't seen Lord of the Rings at this point in the game. Um, uh, so thanks for sharing that. I think that's great. I, I At this point, I'm always really interested in getting the take from people who haven't like grown up with something, you know, that's like so fundamental to the movie watching history of a lot of folks. I, I mean, I, I guess my last question with both Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit is, uh, you know, is this something that you think you're going to rewatch and it'll stick with you down the road? Or do you think it's more of like a comfort watch? You watched it and you're going to move on. No, I definitely think that I could rewatch these. Like they're a lot of fun. And like, there's little things that I'm not remembering that I'm like, ah, I need to rewatch that and see like what that was or whatever. Or, um, you know, just, putting it on maybe even maybe a little bit of both like i could just watch it and just like be into it or i could just like be doing something and like have it on and be like oh there's that part where this happens i'll tune into this and then go back to playing um on my switch or whatever like you know like one of those background things so i could really see being both and i really is like one of those things that it was like i almost was glad that i watched it as an adult so that i could really you know, really understand what's going on and really grasp some of the concepts and follow the storylines and stuff. I feel like I watched it as a kid. I'd be like, I, I don't know what's going on, but the fights are awesome. So I think that's uh, yeah, I think because uh, the first one came out in one, right? Oh one, yeah. It turns twenty. Turns twenty this next year. Yeah. So I would have been uh, ten years old when that first one came out. Ten years. Yeah. Yeah. No. Same. Yeah. You and I are the same age. That's right. Oh boy. Oh yeah. You're born ninety one too. Ninety one. Yeah. Right? A little bit of a spoiler for like an honorable mention. I'll just do one, but. That's how it felt last year was, um, or in 2019, actually, it was. I went and watched The Matrix when it came back to theaters. Yes. In the Dolby. And I was like, dang. Like, I went with a friend of mine from work. We got out and I was like, still holds up. 
still holds up? Yes, 100%. The Matrix is... Um, that's another one. Laura and I also, my girlfriend, uh, we also went and saw that at the Dolby Theater. And uh, man, that movie could have come out like, the original could have come out like today and played in the Dolby and I would have believed it was a new movie. That's how, how good it, it looks. Still would have slapped. Yep. Yeah. That freaking bullet time is insane, it, man. Like so sick. It's nuts. Well, Harold, uh, we, yeah, we we do have honorable mentions. We'll get to those in a minute. But uh, I do want to hit on the third film. You have three films to get through the, the pandemic. Uh, the first one's Tenet. You've got, yes, sort of a cheat, but you do get The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, uh, all the Middle Earth things. Uh, by the way, right in time for the Amazon Prime show that's coming out theoretically next year. I know, boy. Right. Uh, but third film, what is the last movie that comes to mind when you think about getting through, you know, uh, this year of unprecedented times or the 2020 pandemic? Yeah. Okay. So this one's kind of probably kind of a dark horse. It's a movie called Paddleton. All right. Listen, how about this? How about I'm going to make a statement? And if it's a true statement, then you don't have to correct me. Is what Michael has incurable? Yeah, that's a question. You got to. It has to be a, right, statement, to be a statement. statement, and then the truth. All right, so my statement is, what Michael has is incurable. That's it. So I'm thinking, before it gets bad, I want to end it. I don't want to change things, you know? I want to make some pizzas. I want to play some Paddleton. They got a whole process that they give you the pills you can take, but I don't want to do it alone, and I was hoping you'd help me out. It's it has um, Mark Duplass and Ray Romano. The big thing that I don't know what made me watch this movie, but I've always loved like character driven movies. And I watched this entire movie and got to the end and was just like, this was like just two guys talking. Like, and I loved this movie. It was like um, I don't want to give too much of it away, but uh, we find out that Mark Duplass's character uh, has a terminal illness, and his best friend is like his neighbor. Uh, Ray Romano is like, you're just kind of there for him. Like they're doing the thing. They've invented a game. It's called Paddleton and they play this game. It's just like, um, they throw a, they hit a tennis ball and try to make it land in a, a trash can. It's so random, but, and they just hang out and like make pizzas and watch Kung Fu movies. Like it's just their thing, but they had such chemistry in this movie that by the end, like I was just like, man, this is like a really compelling story. And like, I'm really invested in these characters. And um, I don't know. It just stuck out to me. I, it just randomly, I, it popped up, and I saw that it had great reviews. I was just like, oh, I'll give this a shot. Like, I just, um, I just, it may have been because my buddy had told me about a Ray Romano like uh, stand-up special, and I was like, I've never heard of his stand-up, but I watched it, and he's like hilarious. Like, I've never really checked out his stand-up, and so it might have been like just fresh on the brain. I was like, oh, he did this movie. Let's just check, let's check this movie out too. And I was just like blown away by how much. You know, how well done this movie was with the writing, uh, the character development, the story arcs. It was it was very good. And it was, I think it was, I can't remember if it was a Netflix original or not, but I watched it on Netflix. Yeah, I, you know, I'm glad you give a shout out to Ray Romano. He's been on the upswing lately. He did The Irishman last year. He was also in an HBO original film, uh, Bad Education, this year that I thought he was quite good in. A uh, real charming fellow. I kind of like him stepping back into this acting career. Is this something you watched during the pandemic or had you already seen it? I think it, no, yeah, it was, I'd watched it just randomly. I can't remember if we were in quarantine proper or what, but I do remember I watched it at home. Like I just was, it was randomly on Netflix and I was like, oh, I've never heard of this, but it looks cool. So I just like checked it out. I like Mark Duplass in um, Office Space. 
Um, so I was just like, oh, I'm like that guy's funny, and Ray Romano's funny. I just watched that stand up, so let me check this out. Very cool. And I mean, have you so have you already seen it more than one time then, or is that did you watch? No, it? I just I just yeah, just the once. Um, I would definitely watch it again though. Like I, it, it's one of those movies like you probably have these movies where you're like. I like this movie and I want to be with someone when they see this for the first time. Like I would love to show this movie to someone. Um, so it, it was one of those for me for sure. And I've just like, I'm already, I'm just such an emotional guy as it is. Like I tell my friends that I love them. The big, one of the big things we can't do now. I, I love giving people hugs and just to be like, you know, getting in there and we can't do that anymore. And then just like killing me, you know? So I've always been an emotional guy and like not scared to like share my feelings. And, that was such a character-driven, um, people-centric movie that it was just like the story of these two guys, and by the end, it's like you're just like gut-wrenching. And uh, I was blown away that how funny it was, and then by the end, that how emotional it was. I was like, wow, this is like a, a huge spectrum of emotions they've gone through in this movie. Yeah, yeah. So I looked it up, and it looks like yeah, Paddleton is a, a Netflix original. And uh, so it is uh, original to, to Netflix came out in February of 2019. Uh, very cool. I, I actually, this Harold, this was nowhere on my radar. So I appreciate the shout out and it, look at the reviews are pretty positive too. I'm with you pretty much anything Mark Duplass works on. I'm at least curious about if things he's actually starring in. He usually is pretty good. That guy's very selective about his scripts. So uh, no, that's a great pick. Thanks man. Yeah. Check it out. Let me know what you think. All right, Harold. So you picked three different films, and I, but before we close out, I there are probably a lot of things you watch. So we got to close out with an honorable mentions lightning round, and I'll even let it. I'll, I'll even let us bend the rules a little bit more here. So you could say films, you could even say television shows, uh, video games. Maybe if you read books, whatever the case may be. If you want to give a shout out to any sorts of pop culture that got you through the pandemic. Now the trick is we're going to do this in ninety seconds. So I'm about to I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. tell you when Ooh. we'll start that no pressure. Okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, whenever you're ready, I'm gonna hit start, and then you're gonna have 90 seconds to get through your list of uh, honorable mentions. Okay, I'm ready. All right, we are starting rapid fire final round now. Okay, uh, a video game. I got it right before the pandemic or by the quarantine hit. Animal Crossing. I played the crap out of it. It like got me through the whole. Freaking quarantine was amazing. Um, a Netflix original, Mank. Uh, that was really good. Gary Oldman. Uh, I think you guys did an episode on it. It was awesome. Um, uh, there was a movie came out with Chris Hemsworth. It was called Extraction. That was a Netflix original, too. It was Biceps. Got to give a shout out. Uh, Chris J. Alex was in it. Uh, we interviewed him. Oh, Remember? yeah. He was, he was in it briefly, yeah. Um, I watched uh, Underwater with Kristen Stewart. I can't remember if that was at the beginning of 2020 or what. That was a 2020 was- film. I also watched it during the pandemic. It was interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. Something. Um, uh, I got anime. Uh, Great Pretender. It was a Netflix original. I'm just like on Netflix horror, I guess. But it was a Netflix original anime, and I thought it was amazing. Like it has two seasons now. I watched the first season. Um, went in the pandemic proper. Um, High Q is another anime. Uh, all about um volleyball. I randomly, like just wanted to watch that. Um, one of the trippy ones I watched was um. I don't, I don't know who produced this, but it was. Um, I'm thinking of ending things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a uh, the, the the film Netflix. Yeah, I know that's a uh, Charlie Kaufman. Great film. I could not stop watching it. It was just like I. It was like I. It was a point where I didn't know what was going on, but I couldn't stop watching it. Anyway, those are my honorable mentions. My Boom. my man coming in two seconds early. What's up? 
That is how we keep a time limit around here. <laughs> <laughs> great job. Uh, man, those are some great picks. You mentioned uh, several in there. Great Pretender, one I didn't get to, but I heard a lot of positive things about. And yeah, think of ending things. Great pick. Charlie Kaufman, highly uh, recommend uh, Netflix film. It is weird and not for everybody, but man, I love that movie. Dude, shout out to Tony Collette too. Give her an Oscar already. Good grief, folks. She's so, I know. She's she so should have won one for freaking Hereditary. All right. Well, Harold, uh, this has been a great uh, conversation. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day. Just to talk us through like, hey, how did 2020 impact Tunes Tunes? How did it impact you? The thing, the cool things you're doing. Uh, now, if people want to keep up with you and your work on the internet, whether it's your podcast, personal channels, where can they find you at? Yeah, man, for the podcast, um, you'd mentioned earlier, yeah, we're just anywhere that uh, you could find your podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, it's just Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. Um, and then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I just like to do funny, cool stuff. Uh, we'll do head-to-head stuff. I got some cool things in the works with like some ideas of like some uh, recurring guests that I want to have back on for some uh, – some head-to-head battle type things. Um, that'll be really cool. But And then you can follow me personally um, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's just Harold Story, S-T-O-R-E-Y. Don't forget the E. Don't forget it. Don't forget the E. And you got if you don't, if you only pick one of those channels, people pick uh, pick Harold's Instagram. It is he's he's extremely <laughs> impressive at the Instagram. He'll keep you engaged for sure. Uh, Harold, uh, any closing thoughts either about the three films that you picked or um, any of the content you're creating? No, man. I just you know have to thank you for having me on. Um, been a, I've I've loved watching or listening to your uh to your show. You're a prolific bastard. Like putting out um. Uh, you know, if there's a movie coming out, you're basically doing an episode about it every time. Um, like what you're doing over there. I like your takes. Um, I like the analysis. It's more, that's what I've always liked about you guys is that it's more than just like, um, you know, do we like it? Do we not like it? It's like getting into the meat of like, why do we like this thing? Why do we not like this thing? Um, so yeah, big shout out to Cinematic Schematic and the Cinematropolis proper. Hey man, appreciate it. We're, we're, we're trying, uh, trying to get in, uh, Trying to get back, uh, you know, trying to get back up to pace here in 2021 ourselves. So thanks for the kind words, and um, thank you uh, for joining us. All right, well, Harold Story, the host and producer of the Tunes Tunes podcast, and one of, in my opinion, Oklahoma's great pop culture content creators, at least a staple of our podcast community here. If you're into the pop culture, particularly with music and animation, uh, Harold, thanks so much for joining the Cinematic Schematic today. Of course, thank you, sir. Thank you for tuning in to part seven of our ongoing series on three films that got you through the 2020 pandemic with special guest Harold Story. Stay tuned to hear who we'll be talking with next week. If you enjoyed today's show and you would like to participate in this particular series, the three films that got you through the 2020 pandemic, please consider sending in your three films to our email address, thecinematropolis at gmail.com, or you can also send us your picks on our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter. By sending in these picks, you actually are entering yourself for a chance to have those picks read on the show. 
I also want to encourage you to please rate our podcast and subscribe on your preferred podcast app. And again, you can follow all of our work on The Cinematropolis by heading on over to thecinematropolis.com or following us on Twitter at The Cinematrop or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Cinematropolis. And you can always keep up with more of my personal takes on my Twitter at cmasterstalk. That is letter C, Masters Talk, where I'm tweeting about all things film, television, video games, and pop culture. Join me next week when I talk to a man who has done it all. Uh, I speak with the managing partner of Tower Theater. He's also the director of technology at the Dead Center Film Festival and the founder of Mostly Harmless Media, Steven Tyler. I'll talk with Steven about his three film selections, as well as how the pandemic impacted his work running a locally owned theater at the Tower Theater here in OKC. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you again next time. 